God, you are a God who speaks. You spoke all creation into being, and by your word, you sustain all life. And so it is, we pray, not only that you would speak now, but that you would give us ears to hear. We pray that you would continue to speak until our lives reflect your glory and your goodness, that we would continue to hear you from this time forward. We pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We're walking through this book of Mark, and we're in Mark chapter 4 now. And for the first time, four chapters in, we're hearing Jesus teach. Mark has shared little snippets of Jesus' teaching here and there, but until now we have seen far more of Jesus' work than heard it. Mark has tried to show us who Jesus is, show us how Jesus values those who are around him and the work which he has been sent to do. And now he begins to pull back the curtain so we can hear Jesus for ourselves at length, not only in a couple of sentences, but in many paragraphs of teaching. This chapter is full of Jesus' teaching. There's only one other time in Mark's gospel where Jesus teaches at such length, and it's about as near to the end of the gospel as this passage is to its beginning. I think you'll find, if you're reading along with us, that there's a lot of symmetry in this book. And maybe when we get there, when we get to Mark 13, we'll think back to where we are now in Mark 4 and unpack some of that symmetry. But for now, for today, we hear again that Jesus began to teach by the lake. And such a large crowd gathered to hear him that he got in a boat and sat on the lake. And he begins to teach them many things in parables. Parables, it has been said, are best understood from within them. They're not like other stories that we may read in literature courses that are best dissected from the outside looking in. Parables are made to be experienced from the inside out. One commentator suggests even that parables are like stained glass windows. They're beautiful and full of light from the inside but from the outside, they're dark and unclear and maybe even a little bit backwards. From the outs- inside, they're marvelous and can be understood. So the context of this parable is important. We need to be on the inside of it with Jesus and with those who listen to it. We should ask who is sharing this story and to whom are they sharing it. These questions help us get inside of it. The story we heard read for us this morning comes immediately after Jesus has been challenged by family and Pharisee alike. This is no mistake. This is the story within which this parable makes sense. Many of Jesus' parables begin by saying, the kingdom of God is like. Jesus tells stories that help people imagine and locate themselves within that kingdom of God. Many parables, even in this chapter of Mark, begin in this way, but not this one. This one begins only with an instruction, listen, even more direct and commanding. It's listen up, pay attention. Jesus has been ministering in the countryside, going out to teach and to heal, to share the good news of the kingdom, and having experienced challenges and rejection along the way, He says to those who gather around him, 
Listen up. A farmer went out to sow his seed. A farmer went out to sow his seed. Sowing is the focus of this parable. And who is the one who sows? Who is the one who goes out? Is it not Christ who goes out into the world which he created? Is it not Jesus who, interrupted from prayer by Peter, says, let us go out to the surrounding villages? A farmer went out to sow his seed. A preacher went out to share his message. The Messiah went out to announce the kingdom. Well, we've seen how that's been going so far, haven't we? There have been some extremely mixed results in this going out of Jesus. A few have left everything to follow him. Some excellent early success, encouraging. There have been large crowds. That's wonderful. There have been some challenging and even pointed questions, some concerns raised, we might say, but this is not insurmountable. There is now already a plot for Jesus' murder and accusations of demon possession. Maybe not the successful ministry we'd hoped for. Not the hallmarks of success I'd look for anyway. But, But a farmer sowing seed expects mixed results. Like the farmer in the field, Jesus has spread the seed of the gospel message in the world to a variety of results. And we might wonder, the natural question may be, isn't this a highly inefficient strategy? Why doesn't the farmer only plant seed in the good soil? You'd waste less seed that way. Why doesn't Jesus only heal and teach and call out to those who will receive his word? He'd waste less time that way. It'd be a more objectively successful ministry. Well, another part of getting into this parable requires that we understand something about farming in this time. Now, we're a church in downtown Toronto. And so while at some high level, I'm sure many of us can appreciate the general sense of how crops are planted and harvested today, and maybe a few of us have deeper understanding of these things, I don't suspect that any of us have an appreciation of the finer points of agricultural practice in the ancient Near East. It's probably not an expertise we have, and fair enough. What we probably imagine, based on farming today, is that soil is plowed, and then seed is planted in the freshly plowed field. That makes sense to us, but not so in Jesus' time. In Jesus' time, It happened the other way around. The seed was sown, and then the field was plowed. So the seed was scattered all over the field, on the path which was soon to be broken up, and on the place with unseen rock below a shallow level of topsoil. The seed was sown over everything, and some seed was lost before the plowing happened, and some, and some seed would not fare well once the plowing did occur, and you discovered that this had been a rocky place where the soil was shallow. To faithfully sow in this day was the first and most important work in the field. And where seed would or would not grow would be seen later. The subject of this parable is sowing. 
We want to make it about soil, though, don't we? That's what Jesus explains this parable as, so it must be about soil. We want to identify ourselves as the rocky soil where the gospel seed sprouted up quickly but has been sun-scorched by the challenges of this pandemic. Or we want to say that we're the soil where the seed has been choked out by the thorns of our lust, of our idolatry, of our addiction, of our poor stewardship of the earth. Or perhaps we're less humble than all that. And we want to proclaim that we are the good soil and Jesus has received some really excellent return on investment as far as our faith goes. But this is all to miss the point. This is all to miss the point. Because the point is that we do not know which seed will produce what harvest. We do not know what the soil of our lives will one day be said to be, what harvest we may yet produce. We should not be surprised by the mixed results of Jesus' ministry any more than we should be surprised by the mixed result of seed in a field. It's not surprising. It's the way things are. Rather, what we're supposed to know, what we should know from this parable, is that Christ has gone out into the world and into our lives and has sown his word faithfully. What happens between that seed being sown and the harvest being reaped? Well, that's the hand of God. But the word is shared, and there will one day be a joyful harvest. Jesus has gone out into the fields of the world and announced the kingdom of God for today, and he has announced its sure coming for the future as well. So listen. Then Jesus is alone with his disciples, and he tells them a secret has been shared with them. But for those outside, everything comes in parables. And at this we may be concerned that Jesus is sharing some secret knowledge with these people and isn't giving everybody else their fair chance. Why parables? Why not speak plainly? I think that what Jesus is saying is the truth about how we listen. For those who believe, even parables are plain. They're inside the parable. They're inside the sanctuary. They can see the stained glass. They can see the beauty of the light. But for those who are outside, those who cannot or will not believe, even what is spoken plainly will seem as a parable to them. We might call this selective listening. I've been accused of that a time or two myself. But really, this is about how our hearts and our minds filter and sort out our world, determined by the things that we believe, the things that we love and we care for. We see this all around us, not only in the church. In our culture, we've seen in the past two years, for those who are prone to trust authority, who support the government, who listen to a doctor's advice. For these, the last two years have been seen through a very different lens than for those of us who are skeptical of authority, opposed to government regulation, distrustful of the media. Often, in the most heated debates on some of the most contentious issues of the last two years, people have used the same articles and the same data to argue completely contrary points, 
each accusing the other of misrepresenting the facts, of twisting what should be seen as plain. Even what is plain is not always clear. This is true of so much of our faith as well. Take communion, this table where we will soon meet Jesus as a community. Here, we will hear Jesus say, this is my body given for you, and this is my blood shed for you. At this table, we hear the words of Christ to us, which we may say are plain about his sacrifice, clear about his life given for us, obvious in the depths of his love. Yet all of this is for us by faith. For those of us who may be exploring Christianity but not yet committed to Jesus, who may be struggling with the scorch of sun on our path, or the many in our lives who do not know very much at all about the kingdom which this table reveals, for people such as these, even those words of Christ seem as a riddle. This is his body. How? This is his blood. In what way? For those on the outside, Jesus says, everything comes in parables. So too, so much of our worship, so much of our life as a community only makes sense from within the Christian community, from within the church. We want people's experience of this time to be engaging no matter where they're at in their faith journey. But there will always come a point where there's mystery where it doesn't make sense apart from the eyes of faith. This is the truth which Jesus is sharing with his disciples. A parable allows those who are within it to know it, to understand it. And it also allows those who are outside of it to be puzzled by it, while leaving the door open for them to enter into it should their mindset or disposition ever change, should they be prepared to listen as Jesus invites this crowd to do as well. It, the goodness of a parable is also that it doesn't allow for nearly as much possibility of the kinds of violent reactions against Jesus as he will ultimately encounter because things are said in a veiled way. This parable is unique, though. It's unique in that it is the key to all other parables. In his answer to some of our community's questions on this passage over the last week, Professor John Bowen called this parable a parable about parables. It's a parable about parables. If you haven't had a chance to listen to John's thoughts on this passage, I'd encourage you to check it out on our YouTube. It's really an excellent teaching. A parable about parables. The key to the other parables because when Jesus asks his disciples if they understand it, he adds, then how will you understand all the parables? How will you understand all the parables? You need to understand this one first. Jesus says that to understand the parables, you must first understand this parable. Understand this parable. Listen here. This parable is the context for all of Jesus' other teaching. Every parable which Jesus offers to those who listen, a farmer sows his seed. Every time Jesus teaches with a parable, the kingdom of God has come near and the work which will lead to the harvest has begun. This is the secret which has been given to the disciples. 
This is the key which this parable provides that unlocks all the other parables and is the source of our faith as well. In Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God has come near. And by Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God will come in its fullness. This is the key. This is the key that unlocks the teachings, the sayings, the parables of Jesus, the very Christian faith. In Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God has come near. And by Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God will come in its fullness. What brings about the harvest? The work of the farmer and the work of God. The soil can do nothing to change the harvest. This is not a parable about taking root, not a parable about growing, not a parable about weeding or watering or learning how to plow before you sow. This is a parable about faithful sowing which leads to the harvest. It is a parable which explains the work of God in the world, beginning with Jesus going out into that world and spreading the word. It is a parable which tells us that in Jesus the kingdom has come, and by Jesus the kingdom will come in its fullness. This is a parable which tells us that if we can listen, if we can enter into the story, if we can receive the truth that in Jesus the kingdom of God has come near, then we will be able to understand the many other stories which he tells. He will sow seed in our lives that God will use for his glory, some 30, some 60, some a hundredfold. Indeed, we should say, let anyone with ears to listen hear. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. We like to leave space for reflection, and this week I don't really have questions for you to try to apply this to your life so much as invitations for you to pray that God would continue to do his work in us and among us. So three invitations to prayer, and you'll have some time for this now and some time for this, I hope, later and throughout the week. Pray that we together would be able to listen for the word which Jesus has sown in our lives. Pray that we would have eyes to see the kingdom of God coming near. And pray that we would anticipate the harvest, the full coming of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So we'll give you a couple of moments to pray and to reflect on these things together.